0: Hello and welcome to the Level Playing Field podcast. My name is Liam Bird and I'm the fan liaison officer for the disability sporting charity Level Playing Field. On today's episode, I'm joined via Zoom by Joe McNichol and Ian Thomas, both of whom went to the Qatar World Cup in November and December, if we dare to think that far back. Before we talk about disability access and inclusion at the World Cup, uh, I kind of want to get you both your viewpoints from actually what happened on the pitch. Uh, I don't know if this is going to be easier for you, Joe, than it is for Ian. Ian, let's start with you. How was it for you, like, just watching Wales at the first World Cup in 50 plus years?
1: There's a dream come true. From a small boy, you're watching all these World Cups on the telly, and, you know, you have all these near misses and you know, all the heartache that goes with watching Wales and you never thought we were actually ever going to get there. So to see us come out that first game against USA was like literally the biggest dream coming true.
0: And for you, Joe, I mean, we're kind of used to getting knocked out of the quarterfinals, but I mean, how was it to witness it in person?
2: Well, I didn't actually see an England game because I only went to the final. So um, that was fantastic. But obviously I wanted to see England there, but... I know what our past has been like and I obviously got one of the best finals to watch that there's ever been.
0: Well, that's touching the final. I mean, it was it's been billed as like the greatest final ever. I, I would put an asterisk and say it was the best last ten minutes of a World Cup, then plus extra time ever. Joe, as you said, you were there, you were in with the Argentinian fans. I mean, how how was that?
2: It was absolutely amazing. And it was also what well, I enjoyed seeing the emotion from the fans that when you weren't as bothered about the results, so you could watch the whole game and obviously it was the best game for that because Argentina should have walked away with it by the So France didn't turn up till about seventy minutes. So yeah, it was really exciting, good atmosphere, thoroughly enjoyable.
0: Did you end up turning into like an Argentinian fan then? Like just the lows and the highs and the lows and then the highs again?
2: Well, no, not really. I um, you know, I, I, I was a neutral, so it was quite good for me that I didn't have the experience like they were with their head in their hands and then cheering and then not again. So it was quite nice to see it from a point of view when it didn't actually matter to you.
0: And how many times did someone mention Maradona if they found out you were an England fan? Was it, I'm guessing, no. quite a lot. I'm surprised. I'm really surprised. I'm sure, Ian, you would have mentioned it every five seconds,
1: right? Oh, true, right. It was the greatest set I've ever seen. <laughs>
0: So uh, let's talk about the access and inclusion side to, to to attending this World Cup. Ian, you were back in the podcast in November, just a few days before flying out to Qatar for your first ever major tournament. You had your worries about attending there and also taking uh, your wheelchair there, and 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 the horrors that can happen with airplanes. How was it? Like, how was your experience going to Qatar? regarding how you thought it might go and actually how it actually went once you were there?
1: It was completely opposite to all my apprehensions, um, all the horror stories you read. For example, my property wasn't disabled adapted, which I knew anyway because all I could afford. Um, I went out and I came back the second day They built me a ramp so I could get in and out of the property. The preconceptions you had of the place, it was nothing like the media portrayed. From the moment you got there, they couldn't do enough for you. Like the... um, they get a bus. If I was waiting for a bus, they'd, they'd get a disabled bus for me within five minutes at most, 10 minutes. So there was always, always someone there to help, always someone willing to guide you in the right direction. I mean, compared to what we were told and the media and things, it was it was like night and day, to be fair. You know, from the moment I got there, my chair came off, all right, which was good. I mean, genuinely, it was, like I said, the best experience of my life. It was bizarre because I was very apprehensive and I got a completely, it was completely. It was pretty unwarranted, to be fair. Like you like said, there wasn't a lot of information before we went. And then um, once I got there, the infrastructure and organisation in place was just out of this world.
0: Well, we'll talk about the stadium in a second. But, Joe, I'm kind of interested to get your point of view as well. Because, as you said, you went over for the finals. So you were watching the tournament from the UK. And if you were watching it in the UK, the the coverage was critical of Qatar and, and, in my opinion, quite Rightly so. Did you have trepidations going over um before the final? And were you talking to anyone else who were out there who happened to be disabled?
2: I didn't really speak to anyone, um, but I've bit the same that um the information was hard to find. Um but I did send a few emails to like local taxi companies, to the hotel I was staying at, and they were any questions I answered, they were all really great and gave me all the information. So I was all set and as you know, I travel the world, so I've been to a lot of countries and I actually did find it was one of the best. I mean, the airport was fantastic. Didn't have to wait for my chair. They took me right through, took my bags. And then when I was out of the airport, went to the taxi rank and they had three wheelchair t- taxis waiting. So I just got straight in the taxi to my hotel, which, you know, I've, I've been to places in Europe where I've waited an hour for a wheelchair taxi. And if I haven't pre-booked them, there's no chance of me getting one. The whole transport side was absolutely brilliant and I don't think they gave that information to people in advance, which they should have done because it was something to shout about. And like Ian was saying, the metro was fabulous. No lifts were broken ever. Everything worked. They put you to the front of the queue. They made you get on. There was always space for you. You didn't have to be told to wait, which we quite often do in other places. Um, And then there were so many people showing you which way to go and everything was accessible. The only the only small down point was the actual city itself. They don't have many drop curbs, but people don't really walk around. So it's not been designed like that. But that was the only negative that I found. Um, But around the stadiums, especially the new builds, there wasn't any issues at all. And they had all like the paving for obviously partially sighted people. They had Braille everywhere. It, they had thought of m- most things that even like they had the mobility carts, golf carts to take you if it was long walks. But th- those were re- even wheelchair accessible, which often you find, you know, you know at train stations and things. We have them, but they're not for wheelchairs. They're for people that obviously just can't walk that far. But these ones, they could put wheelchairs on as well. So they they had actually thought of everything. I think they did a brilliant job. And I just wish they had told everyone about it beforehand.
0: Ian, am I right in saying you attended three, the, all three Welsh group games? I did, yeah. I, sorry, I don't want you to relive that nightmare. But I mean, what, <laughs> going to the stadiums, what What was the stadiums like then? So you obviously you got to experience a couple of different stadiums. What, what was what it will- like?
1: Wales played all the games in one stadium. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, went, I went to a couple of other games. Um, in terms of access, I did seven of the eight stadiums, and every stadium was accessible, easy to get to. The only one, the Albaia, that was they, they built seven quite close together, and they built one right in the middle of the desert, about 20, 30 miles from anywhere. But to get there and back, they put on shuttle buses for view. Uh, like accessible shuttle buses, so there was never never an issue getting to a single stadium. Always, always catered for you, which was, I mean, when you come out of the stadium, there was lines, and I mean, bus upon bus upon bus, going back to different parts of the city, going back to different complexes, and to get there and back was just so easy. There's nothing I've experienced like it, getting to and from a stadium. They were absolutely phenomenal with it all.
0: So one of the issues we we find at Level Playing Field is is when people when wheelchair users go to a game and and let's say they're at the back of the stand, people stand like non-disabled supporters will stand up. Was that ever an issue at the World Cup?
1: No, because they put us on raised platforms every time. So wherever we were sat, there was always like a glass panel in front of you, and there was about a six-foot drop below. So even the person standing up. They were only coming up to like maybe your knees so you could see clear as they at every single stadium.
0: So Joe, you've kind of got the same system at Spurs Stadium whereabouts. It's been built for a certain height. If people stand up, you've got a free un- unrestricted view. Was that, was that how you experienced it at your game that you attended?
2: Yeah, it's the same at the final. Um, they, some fans even stood on the seats and I could still see.
0: Let, let's talk about then the, the the stewarding i mean how did you find the stewarding at the game did you feel that everyone was educated regarding disability was it something that you just didn't interact with so you, you wouldn't know
2: that well i found the stewards really helpful and there was a lot of them everywhere you went there was a lot of, of volunteers and all paid staff everywhere we went they checked tickets showed you where to go always asked you if you're were all right so i did, i think they were extremely helpful
1: it really um... The only issue I had was when I when I first start first couple of games I went to with the electric chair, they were like, "What's in there at the bottom?" I was like, "That's, that's the batteries," and they were like having a bit of issue with a couple of them. But once the first few games come out of the way, that was it. They were you know, they take you to one side and they would search you in like a private room, um, and then you're on your way because the security was really on top of everything. They had to go through like metal detectors, like security body after security body just to get into the stadiums.
0: Let's be realistic then. And, and let's say if you could take something that you think would be easily be able to brought into the UK footballing scheme of things to improve access and inclusion from Qatar, what, what would you like to see be brought over? And I understand that there's a difference within the football clubs that Ian supports and that, that you support, Joe. But let's think about it in general. What what would you like to see brought over that, that you think can't be restricted because of costs, they say? Um I'll come to you first, Joe.
2: I just think it's more education really. You know, showing people have have and especially stewarding the staff and having the extra people that show you where to go and you don't have to get in the queues because, you know, everything takes longer, like Ian was saying when you go through security, you have to be searched. Um, your whole chair and it takes you about three times as long as an, every, an average person going through. To skip queues is one a better word. It, it helps with the extra delays we get. So I do think that's really handy because it, there were separate entrances, but you could go in any entrance. You didn't have to go in the set entrance.
1: And for you, in What I'd like to see over here, which over there was a problem, is the viewing platforms at every stadium because, you know, I go to games at a ground level and it's like, it's hard to see the game you know what i mean and at these stadiums amazing because you've seen every blade of grass which i'd love to see that being brought over but like joe said we can learn can learn a lot from what they did and maybe introduce it across the board
0: if i was going to be a cynical person i would say that qatar had all the money in the world and that they could use this money and they could create this modern experience of disability access on the back of Again, two political back of low paid migrant workers for a month long tournament where particular sections of society were excluded due to laws in their own country to offset that. I think that they possibly used disability and pushed it forward more than they would at any other tournament. So therefore, disability was front and centre. We, we saw Wheelchair users come out as, as match day mascots, something that I don't believe that we've seen before. Blind and partially sighted, every single stadium was covered with audio descriptive commentary. There were sensory rooms in every single stadium. Listening to you two, it sounds like accessibility-wise, it was fantastic. Do you think there is a point where FIFA purposely pushed disability front and centre to disguise everything else that was going on?
2: I don't believe that. I think disability should be in the forefront of people's minds and they just did a good job of it. So I don't think there has to be a reason why, because every year we go on, we should be improving. Every World Cup we go to should be better. And so I believe that they've made a step in the right direction. And then obviously the next World Cup should be as good, and if not even better than what that one was.
0: So, Joe, can we say, can we finally say that FIFA fully understands disability access and inclusion then?
2: Well, I don't think we can say that. No, I don't think unless. No, I, I don't think anybody does understand it completely, do they? But they did a good job of providing access needs
0: at that World Cup. I, I, for, for myself, and, and, and obviously I've spoken to other disabled supporters who have been there and, and I've heard these stories of being fantastic and, and exactly like, like you said, they, they've created an, an accessible tournament that has been great for disabled supporters. But I find it hard to to praise FIFA when there's so other, when there's so other bigger issues as well alongside this. Do you think I am being blinded by by the rest of the things that are going on and and that we should all actually be praising FIFA for for creating a tournament even as controversial as this one that was as accessible as possible for any major tournament to be
2: I don't see why we should praise them because I think it should be the norm what they've done they should have been doing before Um, but obviously because they're new builds they really couldn't get it wrong if they did get it wrong then that was going to be a major issue so yes, you can praise him, but no, you don't need to praise them because they've done what they should have been doing. So the next
0: World Cup will be hosted in North America. So that's Mexico, Canada and the United States of America. As you stated, Qatar was mainly new builds. America, Canada, Mexico, I don't think they're going to be. I think most of them are going to be retrofit stadiums to accommodate football because some will be played in nfl stadiums how can the america's world cup compete with qatar because it seems to be that qatar was just amazing and as you said joe rightly we need to continue to improve to make sure or not improve make sure that that standard that high standard is continually the standard of attending live sport what can the america's World Cup do to to achieve that knowing that these are not new-build stadiums?
1: I personally think logistically it would be a nightmare for anybody travelling. I think all the games so far spread out over three countries. You're talking a whole continent basically. If you're getting about in a wheelchair you've got to take flights everywhere. I think it would be a logistic nightmare for anyone travelling. Not I think wheels will get there but you know <laughs> we'll... Uh, the stadiums and things like that, they, they've they have got the blueprint basically from Qatar and they, they just literally have to put in the same effort and even if they have to adjust the stadium slightly to make it a, a completely accessible. But I would imagine a lot of the North American stadiums are accessible already.
2: Uh, well, I think they need consultation with real-life disabled people. They experience it every day so they can get this, their modifications right. And whatever they do is left as a legacy rather than just a modification for the World Cup. As I said before, we said, obviously, the Metro was fantastic in Qatar. So I do think they need to look at transport and make sure that that's spot on. But it's just talking to people and getting it right because you can easily add a sensory room. So all these things that were there, they need to ask. So they just need the feedback from this one and have they've got four years to do it.
0: Do you think any tournament that decides to bid for the World Cup, there should be minimum standards regarding disability, which includes restricted, unrestricted sight lines, transport, completely accessible, and sensory rooms and changing places need to be included in these stadiums, Joe?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, if they want to hold it, then they need to provide it for everybody.
1: Personally, I think that not just the World Cup, any new stadium, that should be a legal requirement, you know, to put these things in place, because we want to see the game. You know, one of level, you can't. And I think every every new stadium, whether it be a League Two team, whatever, they should be able to cater and put these facilities in place, included in the build. I think that would go a long way in in towards uh, alleviating some of the issues which we've had over the years.
0: So, last thoughts on the tournament. Um, I'll come to you first, Joe, and then I'll come
2: to you, Ian. I, well, it was just a fantastic experience.
1: I don't think there'll be another tournament like everybody in one place, all the different cultures, all the different people, the infrastructure, everything being so close together was just outstanding. I just think that was a -a once-in-a-lifetime tournament. I don't think it'll ever be repeated.
0: Well, we'll see when the Isle of Man apply for the world cup <laughs> in 2040 or whatever um thank you very much uh, to ian and joe for for joining me if you did visit the world cup and you would like to provide feedback you can visit our partners cafe who are the center for access to football in europe and um, you can drop them an email using info at cafefootball.eu dot eu so that's info i n f o at cafe football c a f e f double double l dot e u thank you for listening thank you to joe and ian for giving up their time to talk to me we'll be back soon enough all the best bye bye